You're listening to the Boots About Business podcast. We share stories from military veterans that have transitioned to the world of business. On the show, you'll hear conversations with business leaders, executives, and entrepreneurs that all started their careers wearing boots in the service of the U.S. Armed Forces. This podcast is equal parts about sharing great stories, helping veterans, helping businesses, and fostering a greater understanding of the value veterans can bring to business. And welcome, everybody, to episode number five of the Boots About Business podcast. I am your host, Frank Strong, and here today with us is Diane Falk. She, too, is a West Point graduate and an Army veteran that went on to serve as a military intelligence officer. She later got out, went to work for the DOD, and then spent a decade at Capital One before starting her own business. Today, she serves as a management consultant and executive coach to the C-suite at InCadence Associates. Diane, welcome to the show, ma'am. Thanks, Frank. I'm happy to be here. Now, I've got to say for customers, you are the third West Point graduate I've had on the show in, what, five episodes. I've got a few more interviews scheduled. There's another West Point grad that's lining up. So you all are stepping up for sure. Hua, beat Navy. (laughs) (laughs) Other services are welcome. Other service academies are welcome. So this is about veterans, not just the Army, although I am a little bit partial to the Army, I'll have to say. Let's get down to the business of the podcast, and that is, why did you join the service? So it's an interesting question. I had two older brothers, and five and six years older than me, and growing up, a couple of their friends went in the military in different avenues, and they would come home with their stories at Christmas, and I was so overwhelmed, like, that sounds interesting and new, and you're traveling. But I also, as I got older, I wanted a challenge. I wanted to be pushed mentally, physically, in leadership, but I didn't want to be bored. I have a problem with that. (laughs) It's kind of like a personality flaw of, I want to be around people who want to do better and be their very best. And And I wasn't actually sure that I would be successful going to West Point. And that's actually part of what attracted me to go is I didn't want to have any regrets. I always felt like, all right, if it doesn't work, I can leave. But, you know, what if it does work? That might be kind of cool. And then we talked a little bit about this in the intro, but what did you do? What was your job? Where did Mm -hmm. you go? Yeah, so I branched MI, as you already mentioned. And so that took me to Fort Huachuca, Arizona. And then I went over to Germany. I was uh, in Munich, sweet gig, as part of the 66 MI Brigade. But right after the wall came down, so I've just dated how old I am. <laughs> but what a cool time to be be in Europe and in that environment. And then when I came back after the advanced course, I went to Fort Bragg and I had several different jobs there. 18th Aviation Brigade. I was in the 229th Attack Helicopter Regiment. I was part of the 525 MI Brigade. And it was just a really, really great opportunity to see different aspects of the MI world as well. Mm-hmm. I always ask um, veterans, and they have a, a wide range of, of answers to this question, but what was your worst day? And then what was your best day in uniform? Hmm. So my worst day is, was actually something very personal to me. When I got to Fort Bragg, I was super excited to have a real gung-ho job, get out in the field, get dirty, really test all my leadership skills. And I was super excited that I was going to be an S2 of an organization that was going immediately to NTC. And I thought, what a great chance for me to practice what I've learned. And instead, I got met with a change of orders unexpectedly. And that change of orders came down, I found out, because the gaining commander found out I was a woman and had not been to NTC before. And that's all this person knew about me. 
And they were like, no, I don't want her. Reassign her. Give me a man. And, and I'm not saying that from a feminist standpoint. Really, why it was the worst day was because the person didn't know anything about me at all, simply what they saw on a piece of paper. And it was a huge opportunity in my mind that I was going to miss out on to learn and grow and develop as, as a young officer. But it made me question my abilities. It was really kind of a kick in the teeth. And, you know, so it took me a little bit of, hmm, was this me? <laughs> Did I deserve this? And I know that might sound silly, but, you know, you get orders and you kind of get your head wrapped around an assignment. And then it was taken away from me before I even had a chance to swing at the pitch. So it was kind of a personal affront. Yeah. And then for folks that might be in the Air Force or out in business listening, you know, the S2 is a position of prestige, right? So tell, tell folks a little bit about what that position is, what it means, and then what is you know, the significance of NTC, the National Training Center, as sort of a, a culminating training event, if you will. So people can understand the magnitude. Yeah, thanks for that. I forget. Not everybody knows these terms. So the S2 is the intelligence officer at different levels of the organization. In this case, I would have been part of a, an armored cavalry squadron, which would have been pretty cool as a, as a woman back in that day. There weren't very many. And it would have been my job to advise the commander on, you know, what was the enemy threat? What did they have ahead of them? What were all the different air defense systems that might take the aircraft down? How might they move? How might we consider these to be high value targets? So really a, a, an enabler of them being able to compete. And for NTC and the National Training Center, back then, if you were in the States, that was the culmination of exercise where there were opposing forces who were designed to actually wreak havoc on your, on your force. And it was my job to be aware of the doctrine and understand and advise the commander on how to overcome those obstacles and ultimately to achieve the mission. And I didn't get to play. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. Hopefully the culture has changed a bit, really based on the experience of people like you that have uh, sort of paved the way, if you will, for the future generations. What was your best day? So interestingly enough, my best day is related to this, which I didn't anticipate happening. But months later, because I was reassigned, I was participating in a field exercise. I was in the TOC, which is the Tactical Operations Center. And I was actually in the process of briefing the G2, who was the senior intelligence advisor of 18th Airborne Corps at the time. Pretty big deal, this person, and had an interesting reputation. A lot of people were afraid of him. But I liked him. He asked tough questions. And we were talking about a new approach to battle damage assessment that I'd done some analysis on that I was learning about and realized and we were in its infancy, right? We had very little technology to help us with this. And we're talking about this out in the field and that same commanding officer who didn't want me, who took somebody else instead of me, just happened to come into the talk at the time I was talking to the G2 and briefing him. And he wanted to talk to the G2 and the G2 took one look at him and said, I'll be with you when I'm done with Captain Falk. And he said, I believe you know her. And, and I'm so glad you passed on her talent to me because she's got some good stuff she's teaching me about here. And you'd be wise to, you know, pay attention. And it was like in that moment, this, this G2 did not need to do that. He knew the story because that's how I'd been reassigned. But in that moment, which was only months later, I went from doubting myself and being a little bitter about being reassigned that I think I'd coped with, but learning this huge valuable lesson about just be your best, be resilient, do the best job you know how to do, lift up your head, keep moving, and don't worry about the people that don't know you and are making ungrounded assumptions because this has carried me through my corporate career too. And I think a valuable lesson learned. That's awesome. That's a great story. 
And it must have been incredibly satisfying too. In all your time in service and in uniform, what is it that the service taught you? The biggest takeaway for me is that it, it's all about the people. It's always been all about the people. Relationships matter. And surrounding yourself with talented people and working together to achieve a common goal is really what it's all about, isn't it? No matter what domain we're in, you can even just in your personal life, right? We don't need to do it all ourselves. You can't possibly be fabulous at every single thing and you don't know everything. So as a brand new lieutenant coming in as my first platoon leader job, you know, what did I know? I knew nothing. I was like 22 years old, but I had a platoon sergeant who had years and years of experience. And if I was intimidated by that or came in thinking I had all the answers, we've all heard these stories before, I would not have been successful. But instead, I learned how to learn from other people. And I learned how to surround myself with people who have skills I don't have. And I've just taken away from the military, never stop learning and always focus on continuous improvement, whether individually or organizationally. And, and I think the military does a fabulous job of, of teaching us that. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Let's transition a little bit to your time in, in the business world. How and why did you leave the service? Yeah, so I got married while I was in Germany, met my husband. He was a special forces guy. And you know, we were both stationed, had busy, busy careers at Fort Bragg. We could barely raise a dog, <laughs> no less a family. And that's something we wanted. And having also served as a personnel officer, which is an S1, at one of my roles in Germany, I experienced firsthand family care plans and people having to write other names on people's, you know, that if something happens, I get called to war, this person's raising my kid. And I watched the trauma people went through. And for me, I was like, that's not happening to me. We had choices. I did get my MBA while I was in the military and thank, thank the tuition assistance program that paid for 75% of that. And so when it came time for us to start a family, I had my daughter while I was still active duty. And then I just decided to step away because I had options and my husband really was very entrenched in his career and I wanted him to continue. And so I stepped away at that time. So I'd finished just shy of six years active duty and then stayed in the, what do you call it? IRR. I'm trying to remember what it stands for. Individual Ready Reserve for a couple of years after that. Mm -hmm. And then what's the cliff note version of your career taking us through to where you are today? Yeah. So you mentioned a little bit of it. Right after I got out of the service, I did a little stint in the insurance business, a very little stint, worked for MetLife, tried to use the MBA, like, okay, I'll do insurance plans and, and mutual funds and annuities. And then I went from there when we moved to Virginia and got a job in the Pentagon, worked in OSD, PA&E, that's a big, long acronym, program analysis and evaluation, the people make the funding decisions. And then I worked in a defense agency as well on the GS scale. And I loved it, but I moved up really quickly. And I was like, I was 30 years old or so and was already GS-14. And I'm not saying that to toot my horn. It's just like, it was like, okay, it's easy for me to see that if I work hard, I might get promoted, but what am I going to do for the next 30 years? There were only so many SES positions. I wasn't even sure that's what I wanted. So when Capital One came knocking on my door, they were recruiting pretty heavily back then. I decided to transition to the corporate world and give it a shot, kind of thinking I could always choose to go back to the government if I wanted to. But as you mentioned in the intro, I stayed there 10 years. Yeah, that's awesome. So how do you think your experience in the military helped you survive, moreover, thrive in an environment like Capital One? Yeah, so both for the military as well as in my DOD time, you know, I think learning to bridge the gap between all different kinds of people with diverse backgrounds and styles and experience, create a common language, 
figure out what we're trying to do and achieve together and actually, you know, bring and facilitate those cross conversations and invite in the diversity of style and approach and experience to get the best comprehensive solution. You know, at West Point, we call that cooperate and graduate. Although in the corporate world, it's more like collaborate and come up with the best ideas, the best and the brightest, recognizing there's some competition, right? We're often competing for promotions and things like that, but you're not going to get ahead only so much on your own technical skills. You really need to be working cross-functionally in order to succeed and move up to the top ranks. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, today you work as a management consultant and executive coach to the C-suite. How would you describe their view of the veteran community as a talent pool? So interestingly enough, just like that example I gave you, that one commanding officer who didn't, you know, he didn't know and appreciate me. He read something on a paper and, you know, thankfully it wasn't all true of what he thought. There are some executives who honestly don't understand the value veterans bring. Not going to lie. I've seen some of them and they want to hire people that come right out of the B schools and work at the big consulting firms. And that's okay. And frankly, I worked with a lot of those people at Capital One and they were wildly talented. But what the military has to offer, those that are more enlightened leaders recognize, you know, the huge drive and leadership and maturity of our veteran population. No matter what your domain is, we know people. We know how to get stuff done. We're not afraid to work hard. And so, you know, Capital One did embrace veterans and I got to help on that military recruiting side. There are many organizations now who do outreach and lots of other veterans reaching back and helping veterans. So those that are enlightened are so excited and lucky to have veterans. You can teach people certain specifics around different industries, but it's pretty hard to teach leadership. It's hard mm -hmm. to teach resilience. It's hard to teach how do you respond under pressure and bring everybody along. And there's not usually lives on the line in the corporate world, but you know, there's revenue, there's bottom line impact and things like that. And so being able to not just tell people what to do, but inspire them to do their very best. I think veterans are awesome at that. And the leaders I work with recognize it and actually celebrate it. Yeah. So when we had our pre-call, you had a little story about the organization didn't have, I guess, as much respect. I don't know if that's the right word for structure. But then yeah. when they started growing, they realized they needed a whole lot. And and you had a little story that went along with that about, you know, mm -hmm. ways that veterans can shape or influence the business community's perception of veterans. Yeah. The story was when I got to Capital One, I was a little bit of a fish out of water. I had not worked in corporate, right? I was military and then I was government, very structured, line and block charts. You knew who the boss was. You knew your job description very clearly. And you were pretty much told, this is what you don't do as much as what you do do. Stay in your lane. Where when I got to the corporate world, it wasn't like that at all. It was like, hey, in some cases, there were no organization charts. There were no standard policies and procedures. There was duplication of effort on purpose, and I didn't understand it. But what I did learn very quickly was that organization and many others eventually needed structure. I'll leave out all the details of why. But one thing that I will tell all veterans, if you're putting your toe in the corporate water, is you don't need to be constricted by what your job description is. If you've got value to offer, like I did, about structure and organization and how, what are our interaction models, how do we want to talk to one another, raise your hand. I raised my hand and said, I don't know what I don't know, but what I do know is it was uncomfortable for me to navigate. Let me help put some of that structure in place 
So it makes sense to me, but hopefully it'll make sense to the regulators as well. So I created my role, if you will, at that time, at a time the organization needed it, but they didn't know I had those skills, right? I knew. So raise your hand. Don't regurgitate what's on your resume. You know, this is something I also had to learn. Now, I didn't really know. I let somebody else guide me when I first interviewed for Capital One, and I was really uncomfortable. But one of the things that you got to recognize is that not everybody knows what to read into your resume. Not everybody understands how you translate what you did in the military and to to the world. So instead of regurgitating your resume, let them know what value you're going to bring. Speak to your audience in a manner they can understand. What are they trying to achieve? How can you help them do it? What energy are you going to bring? What enthusiasm? What motivation? What work ethic? What willingness to learn and shape and grow? So I'm saying these things. I could go on and on. But like it's been years in the making of an evolution for me to learn and grow and coaching many other people who, oh, by the way, those people who sometimes end up in the C-suite and haven't experienced some of what we're talking about, they actually hit a point where they're like, what am I missing? Why do I get a lot of stuff done? I got this big office, but nobody wants to talk to me. Or they say they don't know me as a leader because they never really learned to be authentic. That's fantastic. I think sage advice, it always makes me think of task, purpose, and mission intent that we give people in uniform a task and they know why the purpose that we're to accomplish and the intent, right? What what we're trying to achieve. And then you can set them off on anything and they'll tackle any goal. Let's bring this to the close then and just say, are there any, you know, final tips or advice that you'd offer to veterans? Yeah. One thing we haven't talked about today that I've coached a lot of transitioning veterans on is this idea of networking. And by networking, I don't mean go to networking events and hand out a business card that you say, you know, Frank Army, <laughs> not like that, right? Because that there are there are activities like that. But it's more about what is it that you might want to do? Or who do you want to grow into? Or for example, one transitioning officer told me they wanted to work in a particular company or in an industry. And I said, okay, well, who do you know in that industry? He didn't know how they talked. He didn't know how they thought. And he's like, I don't think I know anybody. I said, well, who might you know who might know somebody? And again, he just, you know, we went back and forth, but he eventually went into LinkedIn at my suggestion, not like that's the only tool, but it's one that most of us have easy access to and did some searches to find who maybe wasn't a first connection, but a second or a third and started to reach out and say, I would love to pick your brain for 15 minutes. Here's the value I'm trying to deliver. I'm trying to learn about this industry. Fast forward. I saw him at the Army Navy game. We had a nice chance to finally meet one another in person. And it's three years later, and he landed a job, not just any old job, but a job exactly in the industry, exactly in the company. And when we talked about it, he said, look, back then, I didn't even know what I didn't know, but taking action to kind of network to where I want to grow or go instead of just for what I currently know. And I said a lot of words there, but how do you do that? If you don't know how, reach out to a mentor. Reach out to other veterans like myself and others like you, Frank, who have made that transition and ask for their their guidance. Let them steer you in the direction. And even if it feels wildly uncomfortable, okay, figure out what that action step you're going to take because most jobs that are the really great jobs are not the ones that are advertised. Mm -hmm. And you want to get in the door is my point. Yeah, for sure. So to that point, if someone is listening to this podcast and they want to connect with you, they have a question they'd like to bring up, where can they find you online? And we'll put these in the show notes. 
Sure. You know, the, the easiest place I just mentioned LinkedIn, there are other Diane Falks on LinkedIn, but you'll put the link in there. I have two N's in my first name. I would be happy to take any questions through that avenue. I also do have a website for Incadence Associates that you can note. So I welcome it. And I'm on Facebook too, you know, and, and I post stuff every day. So however you want to find me, I could be a resource or I would love to connect you with other resources if they're more appropriate for what your needs are. Uh, Diane, well, thank you very much for your service. Thank you for coming on the show and sharing your story. And thanks to all of you for listening to the Boots About Business podcast. Well, such a pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity, Frank. Thank you for listening to the Boots About Business podcast. Please know you can subscribe to this podcast wherever you catch your podcast. And while you are there, won't you leave us a nice review? It'll help the show and in turn help other veterans. Finally, if you know someone that's a veteran in business or is an entrepreneur with a story to share, hit us up using the contact form on the show's website. That's bootsaboutbusiness.com. That's all one word, bootsaboutbusiness.com. Until next time, I am your host, Frank Strong, out here.